In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, throughout my life as a Christian, and especially during these past five years that God has called me uh, through you to be your pastor, I've noticed something that many of you know already, know well, something that many of you have seen time and time again. And what I'm talking about isn't anything unique to Zion or anything unique to Winter Garden or to Florida or even to the United States. What you and I have noticed is something that every church in the world throughout all time has noticed. And what I'm referring to is this, that people flock to the church when they are suffering and in need, but are nowhere to be found when life gets better. And so why is this the case? Why is it that so many people come to church when they are hurting, but can't be bothered to cross the street when life is going well? Well, the answer to that is the same answer as to why parents have their children baptized, then all of a sudden get up and disappear. And it's the same answer as to why children are confirmed in church and members brought and catechized and counseled and then one day just get up and vanish. And it's the same answer as to why we never have enough seats for Christmas and Easter each year, but always have more than enough chairs every other day of the year. It's the same answer as to why so many people come rushing to find the pastor at the death of their loved ones, but don't really care to see him any other time in their life. So what's the answer? Why is it that so many come to church when they are in need? And why is it that so many are nowhere to be found when they're feeling better? And the answer is simple. It's because they don't really want Jesus. That's what we learn in today's gospel lesson. The account is very simple. Jesus heals 10 lepers who cry out for mercy. Nine of them don't come back. Nine don't even thank Jesus. Nine go on with their lives as normal. The nine lepers received their gift from God, and I'd suppose that they knew it was a miracle from God, and I'd suppose that they knew it was a miracle from Christ himself, the promised Messiah. But for them, the gift was all that they needed. It was all that they were longing for. And so once they received that gift, they were done. In fact, they could go on and enjoy every other gift that God gave them, and they cried for mercy, and they got it. They asked for healing, and they were healed. And now they're nowhere to be found because they got what they wanted, and what they wanted was not Jesus. And so this is the reason why so many get up and leave after they get what they want or need from God and his church. It's sort of like asking someone, look, why don't you go to high school? Right? And you say, well, because I'm done. I'm done with it. I already have everything high school was supposed to give me. I have the diploma, so I don't really need to stick around here anymore. So when a couple suffers a bad breakup or a marriage is failing, you'll see so many run to the church, but then you see so, many, so few stay. And the reason is because once their soul has received healing from the sadness uh, through God's word, they can now move on with their lives. They feel better, and then they have no reason to stay anymore. And the same goes for those who come to church only on Christmas and Easter. 
They don't come back any other Sunday because they already got what they were looking for. The nostalgic Christmas and Easter hymns, the story of Jesus' birth and resurrection, the tradition of being with family and friends for the holidays. And since they've received that in full measure, they have no reason to come back until it's that time again next year. And the same goes for people frantically calling to find a pastor at the death of a loved one. They reach out to the pastor to share some words at the graveside, but then they don't want to hear him share the rest of God's word any other time because they already got what they were looking for. Simply a pastor to read Psalm 23, to lead the committal and the burial, to keep some sort of tradition when burying the dead. But once they have that, there's no longer a reason to stay. So Jesus becomes only a means to an end. A stepping stone, a way to get something that you really deeply want. Now, before you become proud because you're still in church and they are not, examine your own heart. Remember that judgment begins in the household of God. The outsider shows that he doesn't really want Jesus when he gets what he wants and then he leaves. But for those of you who are here, it works in the reverse. It's the mirror image of that. You can see that you really don't want Jesus when you choose to leave over something that isn't Jesus. So sure, maybe something hasn't caused you to leave yet. But what is it that would cause you to leave? Some people join because they want control. And then they leave when they don't get it. Some people join because they want the church to be like their old church and then leave when it's not. Some people join because they want peace and then they leave when they can't find it. Some people join because they want to feel a sense of community, but then they leave because they don't feel a part of it. So what is it that you're really looking for? Why are you actually here? Is it financial help? Is it friendship? Is it simply Midwestern culture? Is it the sense of community? Is it the German heritage, the family tradition? Is it the peace? Is it the school? Is it the building? Is it the control? Is it the history? Be honest and think of what it is that would motivate you to get up and leave. And when you find out what that is, then remember that even the thought of this in your heart and in your mind makes you no better than those who already have. It makes you no better than those who seek only the name of God to get what they want. Whenever we do this, we have to admit and confess and repent that we're not only like those other nine lepers who left Jesus, but we're like the thousands and millions who leave after getting what they want. Or we leave because we didn't get what we were looking for. And all of this shows the simple truth that we want other things more than we want Jesus. It shows us that our heart wants what he gives us. It wants the peace and the joy and the comfort and the community and the friendship and the authority and the grace and the mercy and the heaven itself more than we actually want him. And for this reason, we all must repent. We all must turn around and run back to Jesus. We must repent because that's not what true faith does. Faith doesn't just get up and die when it gets what it wants and what it's looking for. 
I know it's cliche, and I know, and you guys know well, I'm not a fan of cliches, which sounds cliche, uh, but the truth is that our hearts love the gift more than the giver. Our hearts cling to what God gives more than the one who gave it. And that's the faith that you and I lack so much. True faith doesn't put anything else above Jesus. Faith seeks for, longs for, thirsts for Christ himself. And it seeks God not to get things from him, but because God is the good thing that you want. So listen to what 1 Peter 3.18 says. Listen. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. In other words, the benefit we receive from Christ is not so much his gifts, which he certainly does give. But the greatest thing is that he brings us to himself. Look, Romans 5, 11 says, We also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're learning that we are not to rejoice so much in the gifts that he's given, but rather that we rejoice in God himself. The Psalms are replete with this language of faith. You cannot read the Psalms without seeing this. Psalm 73, uh, verse 25 through 26 says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is my portion. There's no speaking here of his gifts, he is the gift. The treasure in heaven that we're to yearn after so much is not the bliss, the life, the reunion with those who die in, in Christ or heaven itself. The treasure we have in heaven is God himself. Psalm 63, 1 says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. Do you see that? Certainly God's gifts are greater than anything else you can desire. But the greatest gift is not the gifts he gives. The greatest gift is himself, which is the aim, the purpose, and the reason for all the others. So you hear all of this confessed in that famous hymn we sing here at Zion. The hymn that I quote so often, the hymn that I teach you to sing so often. The one that I will sing to you at your bedside when you are dying. Uh, not Salvation Unto Us Has Come, which I will sing that too, but the other one, uh, hymn 708 in the Lutheran hymnal in front of you. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. Listen to what the words of that hymn say. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee ne'er from me depart. With tender mercies cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare if thou, Lord, wert not near me. And should my heart for sorrow break, my trust in thee can nothing shake. Thou art the portion I have sought. Thy precious blood my soul has bought. Lord Jesus Christ, my God and my Lord, my God and Lord, forsake me not. I trust thy word. Did you hear what he said? Heaven itself would be void and bare if you, Lord, were not near me. Heaven is a desert. Heaven is empty if the Lord Jesus is not there with me. Luther himself said this at one time. 
said, I'd rather be in hell with Christ than in heaven without him. In other words, heaven wouldn't be heaven if Jesus wasn't there. It would be a waste. On the other hand, hell would be bearable. It would be endurable. It would be worth every ounce of suffering and pain and anguish if only Christ could be there with me. I would have more joy suffering in hell with Christ by my side than if I lived a thousand years of bliss without him. So dear saints, this is what faith believes, what true faith confesses. Faith clings to God as its reward. And this is the faith that you and I lack so much. We must admit so often that we want the things Jesus gives instead of Jesus himself. We must confess that that we often seek heaven only as an end to our sadness, but not because we really want to be with Jesus there. And we know this to be true when we're so quick to leave when we no longer get what we want or have in the church. We know this to be true when we look to leave the second we get what we're looking for. We need to repent not only of all the times we have done these things, but repent for all the times that we've even thought about it, the times that we've desired it. We must repent for all the times that we stopped praying and thanking God once our life has gotten better. Once he healed us and once he blessed us and gave us peace that we turned around and forgot him. We must repent for all the times that we just forget him when our lives are worth living again. And the only thing that will turn your heart from this thanklessness from this greed, this selfishness, and this desire to get things from God instead of God himself is the love that Christ has given to you first. The love he has for us is greater than the love that we have for anything. The love of Christ is that he loved you not to get good works from you, not to get your money, not to get any glory or respect from you. No, the love of Christ is that he loved you because he wanted you and you alone, not the things you have. He didn't want anything you have or anything you could give. He only wanted to have you. In fact, that's how we say it in our catechism. What do we say? Say, I believe that Jesus Christ has redeemed me, a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. For what reason? that I may be his own. When Christ went to the cross to suffer and die for you, he didn't go and, uh, to gain anything for himself, but he did it for you. Everything he did, he did for you. He forgave all of your sins so that you would be his and live with him forever. And this love, Christ's love, is the source of our love for him. So even though that Samaritan loved God more than his gift of healing, and even though you may love God more than anything else he could give you, remember that God still loves you more than that. And he loves you profoundly. And he loves you with a passion and a fervency that you could never match. He loves you more than you and I could ever love him. He loves you to such a degree that you could never return the love to him. You could never return that love to him even if you were sinless. And this means that even in heaven in the resurrection, you will still not love him as much as he loves you. His love abounds. Our love is weak and frail and we can never thank him enough for all he's given 
And all of eternity is still not enough time to give thanks to him for what he's done. So the point is this. Don't try and manufacture some sort of love for God. And don't try to conjure up some sort of emotion for him. It's not the point. Rather, follow the example of the Samaritan and do what he did. Throw yourself at the feet of Jesus and thank him. So keep praying and start and end each prayer, no matter what you're going through, by thanking your Lord. Thank him each morning before and after each meal, at the close of every day, at the, and, and every single moment and second in between, thanking him for his great and eternal mercy. Whatever cross he puts on your back, thank him that he hasn't forsaken you. And when you find yourself walking away from Christ for whatever reason, when you walk away finding more contentment and joy in everything else but him, repent and turn around. And thank God that he has not left you, that he has not forsaken you, that he still loves you more than that, that he absolutely adores you more than you can understand or imagine. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.